Welcome to episode 51 of the Night Shift as we prepare for game five between the London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers. The Knights took a 3-1 series lead with a 5-0 win in game number four in Kitchener. Brett Brochu's third shutout of the playoffs. We'll get to that in a bit. And a pretty complete performance by the London Knights. So now, game number five. My name is Mike Stubbs along with Kyle Grimard, as we welcome you to the latest episode of The Night Shift. And remember, you can find us on socials at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, and at Stubbs980. Kyle, big, big game. This is the door that takes you to the conference final, and now you've just got to find a way to get through it. Well, it's funny, Mike. You talked about Kitchener in the first two games just wanting to get a split in London. And that's exactly what the Knights did in Kitchener. Of course, they go in on the Saturday. Kitchener finds a way to, to come out. They they feed off that crowd. And I want to ask you about that in a second. But, you know, they get a 6-1 victory in Kitchener. That's the first loss for the Knights in this playoffs, which is crazy to think about that they're a win away from the third round. But then the Knights go in on a Tuesday evening. They take care of business with a very complete victory. But I want to go back, Mike, and talk about game three because the first two games in London, crowds buzzing. It's a great time at the Bud. You go back to the odd in Kitchener and game three starts and that place, there was rumors about Kitchener being loud, selling out 10,000 tickets for games three and four in an hour. Did the atmosphere live up to what they were expecting it to be? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It lived up. In fact, we're going to hear from Ryan Humphrey in just a few minutes, and he's going to compare London and Kitchener to what he heard in the Memorial Cup final in St. John, New Brunswick. He said he had no idea the Western Conference would be like this in the OHL. So we'll hear from Ryan Humphrey. He's got six goals in eight games. Rick Stedman is coming up. And not only do we have game five of this series, but we also have the OHL priority selection taking place this coming weekend. And we're going to have a special draft show that will air between 6.30 and 9 p.m. at 980cfpl.ca. It'll be me. It'll be Kyle. It'll be Jim Van Horn. Jim is as well-read on the OHL draft as anybody. And we're going to go through the picks. A lot of local guys could be taken early, starting with Ryan Robrook, who could go in, let's say, top three Top two, could he go first overall? All of those are possibilities. He plays for the London Junior Knights. We've got special guests, and we're certainly going to cover it from start to finish. Plus, there are still, depending on when you are listening to this, there are still a couple of tickets available for game number five. First 5,000 fans are going to be able to get a scarf. There is happy hour from six to seven, so it's $5 beer. It is $3 hot dogs, $2 popcorn, $1 pop. There's a lot of great stuff going on, and you can check out LondonKnights.com for any tickets. Kyle, you mentioned the crowd. It did live up to everything, but in game number four, when the Knights scored first, it took some decibels out of that crowd. And then George Diaco scored a goal with 14.6 seconds to go in the opening period, and that took out a few more decibels. And by the time Connor Federkow scored on a breakaway to make it 5 nothing, not only were the decibels dropping, the attendance was dropping because people were leaving the building. And that's what the London Knights did to Kitchener and their fans. 
They took them out of it. So now the Knights have the opportunity to create that noise in their home building, get that crowd going. And Chris Pope, who we've heard from on the night shift before, Rangers analyst on radio, Chris pointed out that when Ryan Humphrey scored, that was the sixth time in the series that we'd seen a goal scored in either the first minute or the last minute of a period. And it becomes something that either crushes you or lifts you high in the air. And for the London Knights twice in game four, it lifted them high in the air. On so backbreaking for for any team that gives up those goals. You've seen it when you're you're riding a bit of momentum. You've clawed your way back in or you're just trying to survive and just say, if we get to the end of the period, we can restart and feel good. And then a puck goes into the back of the net with less than a minute to go. And it's just, you can see it on the bench. You can see it in the goaltender. Their entire body language comes down. It's just the one thing that you did not want to have happen. And remember, Kitcher got a boost in game three. Their captain. Francesco Pinelli returned, scored two goals in that game. They're feeling off of a high coming off of game three. And for the Knights to come out in a big way and get a 5 nothing goose egg on the road in a pivotal game that either shifted the series to tie, being tied to 2-2, or to 3-1 in the Knights' favor, that is as big a response as you are going to get from this team. And that's what they've done all year long. They respond and they do it with the depth. Uh, Denver Barkey, who's had a great series so far with a goal and two assists. Ryan Humphrey, who, like like you said, we're going to get to. And how about Sean McGurn, Mike? My goodness. Sean McGurn has six goals and 16 points in eight playoff games. Two points per game, and that's what you want out of your co-captain. He has at least one point in every single game in the playoffs. And you want to talk consistency? He's such a consistent player, and he's doing it in all sorts of ways. He has been very good in the face-off circle. And then, Kyle, the last guy we need to talk about is Brett Brochu because the Ontario Hockey League did the math on this one. Brett Brochu recorded his third shutout of the playoffs in just eight games, and that has given him the franchise record for shutouts in the playoffs that had been held by Jordan Coy, who did it in 2019, by Adam Dennis, who did it in 2005, and Pat Riggin, who did it in 1977. So Brochu is now 7-1. and one. He's got a goals against average of 1.82. He's got a 930 save percentage. His numbers are outstanding. And now he's got another Knights record to add to a big trophy case from his Knights career. God, it is so impressive to see what he has done. And just, I remember from when Brett Brochu started, he came in as a goaltender behind Jordan Coy and Joseph Raymakers. And, you know, after, you know, those two were, were conceding starts to one another, they throw this rookie kid in Brett Brochu. And all he does is set the OHL rookie goaltender record for most, I, I don't know if it's consecutive wins or most wins in a regular season wins OHL goaltender of the year, setting playoff records for them. He has been on a world junior championship organization before. And it is just really nice that, you know, last year, Brett Brochu, I don't think was ever really able to, to get his 
tracks in order because he came back from an injury and his first play playing action after an injury that kept him out for months, Mike, was game one of a playoff series against said Kitchener Rangers in which the Knights eventually lost in seven games. But Brochu had a relatively healthy year this year. He gets a good run and he comes into the playoffs feeling as good as he's ever felt. And this is the type of caliber of goaltender and goaltending you get from a former OHL goaltender of the year and a guy who is proven to be a difference maker on this team. The players feel comfortable with him. He feels comfortable on that. And like you said, three shutouts in eight games is an absurd run for this guy. And he's a guy that has one of the best game faces in sports. You don't have to ask who's playing goal for the London Knights on any particular day. You just have to see the face of Brett Brochu at any point during that day. And you can tell when he is going because he puts on this game face. It's almost like an actor when they say they arrive on set and they become the character that they are going to play in whatever movie or TV show. Brett Brochu gets into this zone early and he has upped his game face. I mean, he is as dialed in from the start of the day as you have ever seen him. And so now he is going out. And the performances he's been putting out, one of the things that you can listen for, and Kyle, you know the sound very well, having been a goalie. The thing you can listen for is when there is that big thump off a goalie's pad when he is making certain saves. He is so in the zone that he's giving that extra little force to a shot in directing it away. So he's controlling that rebound, not to freeze it, but controlling that rebound to boot it away from his net. And we've heard that sound from Brett Brochu all series long against the Kitchener Rangers. No, Mike, you're absolutely right. And just going back to what you said, that that sound you make, a good thud off the pad. One, not only it's it's just a great sound in hockey, but two, as a goaltender, when you make a big, when you make a big pad save like that and you get that sound and you direct pucks really well into the corner and everything like that, it is almost like a confidence building sound to a certain extent because you know you're feeling the puck well, you know you're directing it in the right directions. And when you when you kick out to a lot of times with those big pad saves, whether it's the left or right, it's a reactionary save where you're throwing your pad out and kicking it. And often it's a good sign when you see a goaltender come out and make big pad saves like that because everything like that is reactionary, which means they're in tune, their minds focused, their bodies focused. And right now, Brett Brochu is as laser focused as any goaltender in the OHL playoffs. Let's, before we leave game four, hear from Ryan Humphrey, who we spoke with just after the game about what it's been like playing in this series. We've mentioned the noise a few times in both buildings, and that's where we started with a guy who now has six goals in eight games in the playoffs. It's not easy going in that environment, but you got to learn from what you did wrong the first time. And I think we, uh, leadership group, the coaches got us um, really prepared for this one. And um, I think we came out a lot stronger and a lot more prepared. So. You went through some crazy environments last year, St. John. How did it compare to what you've seen either in London or in Kitchener in this series? Honestly, it's the last game of the Mem Cup was pretty darn close to both of these barns. I didn't think it would get this crazy coming over in the West, but it does. Um, I mean, our barn pack 10,000 I don't know how much they get here but it's it's crazy you definitely don't want to play in it too many times um it's not the easiest thing to do but um, I think we're managing it well and hopefully we can sweep uh sweep the series in the fifth at home staying disciplined how big has that been in this series 
huge. I mean, uh, seems like each game whoever has more penalties loses, and they have a really good power play. We have a really good power play. So, um, yeah, the more we can stay out of the box, the better. Tell us about late goals in a period. George Diaco gets one with 19.6 seconds left. You get one with 14.4 seconds left. Going into the dressing room, what's it like just having scored a goal? Yeah, um, it's huge. I mean, it gives the boys confidence. Any chance you can put one, especially past Constantini, is a really good goalie and um, kind of deflate any energy they have going in the next period and take as much momentum as you can. So, um, yeah, it's huge. Anytime I can score, we can score, the team can score, it's great. So He expected you to be in his ear in this series. Have you been in his ear? No, he's too nice, to be honest. <laughs> he doesn't even say anything back, so there's no point. But, um, no, he's a great goalie, and um, we're just trying to beat him on the scoreboard, to be honest with you. Finally, you've won a lot of deciding games in series. Is there anything that you have to do, anything different than winning a regular game in a series? Yeah, honestly, it's just the same game. Um, game one in the season, you're playing the same one. It's just a little more high energy, but um, yeah, you got to still execute everything um, you've done well to get to that point, and um, I guess that's the biggest message I could have. Good luck. Thank you. Ryan Humphrey, a massive pickup by the London Knights, led the OHL in plus-minus last year and helped the Hamilton Bulldogs to a championship. And you love how you ask him, has he been in Marco Costantini's ear? Because the Kitchener Rangers goalie had said that going into the series, I expect Ryan Humphrey's going to be in my ear. And Humphrey says he's too nice a guy. Even if I said anything, he's not going to say anything back. So the Knights have found a way to get to Marco Costantini. They did it five times in game number four. Now, Kyle, now it gets really, really hard because Kitchener is still that very, very good team, and they know this is it for them. You're going to have everything that they can bring tonight. Well, and that's just it. And and this is where a team can be as dangerous as they as they have been all year. Their backs against the wall. They're one loss away from being eliminated. It's almost like a they've got nothing to lose scenario. And you know, some teams I think maybe get a little too tight and a little too tense. But in a three-one manner, where you know London has seemingly controlled play through three of the four games, as Kitchener going in and be like, "Listen, guys, we're the eight seed." We weren't even supposed to make it out of round one. Here we are in round two in a dogfight with the Knights, our rivals. Let's go out there and make feel make them feel the pressure. Let's put it on them to close us out. Let's not give them any chances. And I feel like, you know, you get a very dangerous and not reckless, but you get a, an aggressive team that can come out and do some damage. So the Knights need to be careful. They need to keep that defensive structure up that they've done very well throughout the course of these entire playoffs. Keep the momentum going use the crowd to their advantage. They have felt what it is like when they're at home. They have felt what it's like in Kitchener, keep the strong goaltending up. And I think just try to take that momentum and build off of it. If you get that first goal, that is a massive step for this team to hopefully closing out the series in five. What do you think? I think that's exactly what they need to do. I mean, they played the kind of game that makes them hard to beat anywhere, anytime against any opponent in game number four. They were making it very difficult on the Rangers to get near their net. And if you can do that, Brett Brochu is going to have your back the rest of the way. We talked with Rick Stedman before practice going between game four and game number five. And here is what he said is the key to game number five and being successful for the London Knights. 
Yeah, I think the guys, uh, they put their work boots on. They didn't like the feeling of the game before, uh, how that went, uh, how we looked and how we felt on the bench. So I think they put their work boots on. They went out and they did all the little things that make it hard. And we got rewarded uh, for that first goal. And then after that, we were rolling along. Getting into the slot against you in game four seemed impossible. You couldn't get there. You couldn't pass it there. Was that a focus? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where most goals go in from is that slot area. And I thought the guys, they, they really put their body on the line. I think everybody got a block or was sliding to make a block. And everybody really bought into me. It, it's not for me out here. It's for the guy sitting next to me. So anytime you see that and anytime they're willing to buy into that, good things usually happen. Brett Brochu, a third shutout in eight playoff games. Talk about his game. Yeah, you know what? If it wasn't for him for that first penalty kill, we likely would have been down by one. He was making some big saves. The one off the backboards that came out off his head, that, that was huge. And I think he just it got him into the game early. He stayed in the game throughout the whole thing. I don't think he, he lost focus at all, and he, and he took it right to the end. So it, it's a good thing for him. How do you close out a series against a team like Kitchener? Yeah, you know what? It's the toughest game coming up. Uh, they got nothing to lose. They're going to lay it all out there. there there's no nothing to, to take home with you. So we just got to go play that same game, push the pace, uh, get them back on their heels, and make them play our way like we did in game four, and hopefully good things happen. Good luck. Thanks, Subsie. London Knights assistant coach Rick Stedman on getting set for game number five. And it's all about matching that intensity. And Kyle, when we look at what the big difference was in game number three, the only game that the Knights have lost in this series, it really was matching Kitchener's compete level. They came out, they got their crowd into it, and they were winning those 50-50 puck battles. And you want to see how the London Knights respond? Well, they responded. They raised their compete level and then were able to take Pretty good control of game number four pretty early on and then continue on the rest of the way to that 5 nothing win. So, yeah, it's about matching the compete level of your opponent and you're going to see the highest level from Kitchener this evening. So it makes it uh, makes it tough. As far as injuries go, Jackson Edward is day-to-day with an upper body injury. Whether he will be back will be more of a, a game-time decision. Having Max McHugh back was big for the London Knights, but he'd missed three games. I think we see Max McHugh even better in game number five because you get that groove back. Now now he's he's right back into that same playoff form. He had missed three games with an illness, and it's always good in a game where your opponent is fighting for their playoff lives to have the guys who can be physical right back because you know the Rangers are going to be physical against you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've talked about him being an X factor before, not only just in the playoffs, but especially against Kitchener and years prior. And once you get that first game back, especially Mike, after, a, you know, an undisclosed illness, it, you got to get your legs under, you got to get that, that, that comfort back underneath you. And I think after, you know, a game in Kitchener, you go out, you get a big five, nothing win. You know, your team really does a great job supporting you. Now you get to go back home. Now you get to have a better sense of getting into your routine again and starting to feel more like yourself and more a hundred percent. And I feel like just having that impact along with everyone else who is just in a groove and thriving right now for this team, I think it's a good recipe for success. And that's what the Knights have done so far in the playoffs. Get the last handful of tickets at LondonKnights.com. First 5,000 fans get a London Knights scarf. And the way that the weather goes in April and sometimes even early May, you never know. That could come in handy long before next fall and winter. 
And then, Kyle, we've got our special draft show for the 2023 OHL Priority Selection that will begin at 980cfpl.ca at 6.30 p.m. on Friday night as the first three rounds of the OHL Priority Selection unfold. And here is a little bit of a teaser preview for you as Jim Van Horn talks with London Knights Associate General Manager Rob Simpson. Rob Simpson, uh, describe like on the inside how this process uh, goes. When were, did you really start getting serious about meetings and creating a, creating a list? Well, we really start like early December is when we start, you know, probably even into November we start our starters list. But, you know, once the, once the trade deadline's done, that's usually when, okay, our team is set here and, and you know, now we can focus on the draft even more. We already kind of have a list and, and we've done meetings with our scouts, but that's when the real, you know, focus starts to become okay april 21st is coming fast and we got to make sure you know we see the final games because the teams get done quick and we get all our meetings and one-on-ones with the players done and everything from there how much contact can you have with a player any player yeah you're allowed to to talk with them um in person meetings and then by phone uh three times just there's a there's limits that the ohl has and i think that's a good thing because you know, there's 20 teams, and that's a lot of teams for them to talk to. They're, and they got busy schedules, so, you know, there's amounts that you can phone them, amounts you can do one-on-one meetings with them and uh, to make sure that, you know, they're not probably missing school too much or doing all that stuff, right? <laughs> Every year um, there's uh, more Americans that are, you know, really high-end players. Um, this year, obviously, no exception. Uh, does the organization have any sort of strategy on this about who's maybe coming? Yeah, yeah, we sure do. I mean, that's, uh, you know, our scouts there, Tommy Menino and Billy Sullivan, do a great job down there. And Billy's been with us for a long time, and Tommy's back this year. And, you know, between, uh, you know, myself, Mark, and those guys, um, every year is different. You're going to look at the draft and, you know, kind of gauge where your line is and where you want to take some risks on some players that might not come. And you try to figure out which guys are coming. And usually those guys, you know, if they are coming, you're going to try to put them where they actually belong in the list. And, you know, there's some intricacies there uh, to be able to set it up properly. Am I right? A uh, first, a second, two thirds uh, and no, no fourth, no fifth yet? Yes, that's correct. Yep. And picking 18th, what kind of a... Uh idea can you get on who might be there at 18 like uh how you want to study the other teams too yeah you know what every year it seems to be pretty consistently around you know 12 13 players you know are gonna go in that range and those guys are kind of the lock in there you know one year might be eight one year might be 15 but you kind of know those guys are gonna go in some way shape or form so it's just figuring out who likes what kind of guys and some years you're right some years you're wrong but it's once you get past that 12 13 pick most times you have a group of guys and and that's where we really nail down on okay out of those guys let's make sure we get that order right so when we pick whoever's there we know the next up that we're confident with on our list and we're sure that that's our guy would people be shocked at how different the lists are team to team I think so. I think they really would be because different organizations value different things. You know, you have teams that want, you know, skill and to play a fast pace. You got teams that want to play a power, 
you know, uh, you know, a bigger game, heavier game. You got teams that want to blend. So, yeah, it would be all roster needs. Roster needs sometimes play into it. You know, um, some teams have the philosophy that you take the best player. Some go by position if it's close. You know, if you have a forward and D back to back, then and you really need a D, you might do that. So, it, it really is all over the place. And you have to have a chart, right? Knowing you graduate, you graduate players every year, right? You have to kind of look two years ahead and see what your depth chart might be then. Yeah, you're predicting like two, more than two, probably it's usually three to four years out. And you're seeing, okay, you know, it's like this year when our 2006s are 19, how does that age look? And, you know, what do we need to complement them with? You know, when our 2000, we did that in the 2006 draft. Okay, you know, our 2005s, what did, what did we do well on? What did we maybe miss a little bit on? And what do we need to complement and you definitely look at that, but at the end of the day, when you get down there, you just take the best player available. The London Knights and the other 19 teams in the OHL have their lists all set. And now we will wait to see what happens, Kyle, in game five. And then immediately the league stops. No matter who wins tonight and who doesn't win tonight, all four series are taking place. The Sarnia Sting can close out the Saginaw Spirit. Right now, Peterborough leads the Ottawa 67s two games to one. And the Barry Colts lead the North Bay Battalion two games to one. Everything stops, no games tomorrow, and they will take part in the OHL priority selection on Friday. And then we wait to see what the future of the league looks like, and then we get back into some playoff hockey. Can't wait for it. And yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what the, the final matchups are if we get to that point before the next episode of the podcast. But it's going to be a lot of fun. It's the best time of year for a reason. You can follow us along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, globalnews.ca. Just search Night Shift. You can find us on socials at Stubbs98 with two Bs at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D. Big game on Thursday. We will see what happens. Knights and Rangers has lived up so far. We'll see.